Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello and welcome to another episode of Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's show, we have uh, some news updates to go through with everyone. We've got a couple of NWSL trades to chat about, some news on the She Believes Cup tournament in 2023. And we also want to take the time to remember Grant Wall. We also want to take the time to welcome everybody if you're joining us live. Uh, hello to everyone in the chat joining us this morning. We want to uh, share a bit of an announcement. We are up for an award, the Signal Awards for Best Individual Episode. It's a huge honor. Uh, thank you to our fans and audience. Uh, vote for us, please. It would absolutely mean the world. We have a link in this episode description. We also have a QR code up there floating around. So please hit that if you're joining us live and you can go ahead and use that to vote. Uh, was exciting when we found out about this. This is, this is the third time attacking third has been nominated for something this year. A three up for three awards. That was really cool. This is huge. Yeah, I mean, I like that little alliteration A3 for three awards. Yeah, this is a, a big, big award and and this is pretty cool. We need fans to vote though. Um I've I've like voted already of course for ourselves and you do have to sign in with your email. So use all of your emails and vote for attacking third a million <laughs> times because that's how we want to win. Um, when we found out we were nominated for this, I was like, this is cool. Do we get a trophy? What do we get? And I did not hear back yet. So I will let you know if we get a trophy, if we win this or how it goes. But either way, thanks everyone for listening. Like we, we would not be nominated for this. We would not be up for this award if it wasn't for everyone that's listening and joining us live right now on YouTube and, and follows us and subscribes to us because um, we are just here talking soccer and it's because of you that people, the people that are actually listening and, and paying attention um, and tuning in with us every week. Uh, it's all because of you. So thank you very much. We are eternally grateful to all of you and we love doing this. And it's cool to know that Sandra and I aren't just talking to each other because, Hey, we would still be doing this if it was just her and I here sitting here talking, uh, drinking our coffee, staying hydrated and doing this, but it's much cooler to know that there are people out there joining us live, um, and, and listening to us. So thank you for everyone. Uh, Lucy appreciate it. She just voted. She said she just voted. It only took two seconds to so go do it. Thanks so much, Lucy. Um, and thanks everyone that listens to attacking third. 
Yeah, we love it. Uh, again, caught us off guard a little bit, but who doesn't love a, a pleasant surprise uh, like that? So, yeah, uh, just echo all of Lisa's uh, sentiments. And, um, yeah, congrats to everyone else who was nominated, too, because it's just like there's a lot of podcasts out there, you know, just to know um, that our show sort of has an impact and or that people think highly of, a, uh, of it. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Feels feels nice to know that all the time, millions of times that we go live, uh, sort of, you know, getting recognized throughout, throughout the year, because if there's one thing we do at A3, we stay live. So, uh, thanks everybody. Uh, we want to actually really kick off the, the top of this episode though, with, with the number and bits of, of news that have sort of been circulating around over the last four days or so. We were, we're only hopping on live here Tuesdays and Thursdays with everybody during this this off season. Um, but one of the bits of uh, news that dropped over the last few days was the the passing of uh, Grant Wall uh, in Qatar covering the FIFA World Cup. Passed away at the age of 49. The exact causes still currently being, uh, you know, investigated. His uh, body has returned home to be with his uh, his wife and friends and family. And they're going through uh, autopsies and, and things like that. But a cardiac episode took place uh, in, the, in the press box at Lucille Stadium. And the reaction to this uh, has been met with a lot of shock. Mm-hmm. And myself, uh, I am including myself in that, um, we're deeply saddened by, by the sudden passing of, of Grant Wall. And... Um, it, it's left me wordless even even days later yeah. um i'm very 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 speechless um cbs sports here were again deeply saddened by the sudden and tragic passing of grant wall grant was an exceptional journalist and tremendous friend colleague and ambassador for the game of soccer uh, grant's impact and imprint on the soccer community within the u.s and globally will endure for years to come all of all of us at cbs sports um are offering our heart for Heartfelt condolences to Grant's wife, Dr. Celine Grounder, and all of his uh, families and friends. Yeah, it's so devastating. I think you said it exactly right. It's so hard to kind of wrap your head around something like this when it happens so suddenly and tragically um, devastating. I mean, if anyone out there who thinks like, oh, I don't don't think I know Grant Wall, um, if you follow the sport of soccer, even just slightly, you know what it means. You know that the World Cup is happening right now. You've probably read his work. He is, his writing is everywhere. And um, he has books out there that you can read. And I I think that it's important to touch on, yes, he was in Qatar at this point covering the Men's World Cup, but all the work he did for women's soccer in the United States. Um, he was so passionate about it and, and the growth of the game and making sure it had correct coverage and equal coverage um, and, and making sure that the stories of these incredible athletes were being told, but also that he was uncovering the truth and asking hard questions. And and he made the soccer journalism in the United States what it is today. He, he was such a huge part of that. Um, and that's something that I will f- forever remember about him. And, and everyone has a Grant Wall story. Uh, you and yeah. I were just talking about this off air. Um, yeah. For those that know him yeah. and worked with him, he, he worked with us at CBS. I've had the pleasure of chatting with him, sending DMs back and forth. He, If you were in this space as a journalist, um, there's a very good chance that you cross paths with Grant. And whether that was in person or over v- like DMs and chatting with one another. Um, but uh, almost everyone has read his work. And if you haven't, go read it because it's incredible. It's truly devastating. And um, my prayers and my thoughts are with 
his wife and his family and all of his close friends. Um, just devastating. Yeah, he um his his reach was was endless, honestly, in, in the space. And I think that that's um what I'm ultimately uh, left with when I think about uh, his his passing and sort of his his impact on in the sport, um, and what it just sort of meant to the landscape of soccer in the United States. Um, and uh, I was speaking about this with, with some, some friends and, and colleagues over the weekend as we sort of happened to get together and, and the timing of all this dropping and just the shock um, that we were sort of, you know, struck with when, when we saw the news. Um, but, you know, of, of how different people uh, all individually had their own wall connection or wall grant wall yeah. story and i think that that is what sort of kind of speaks to to his legacy how so many folks in the space were sort of you know m- meeting the news with similar reactions and um similar grief you know because with that shock comes the grief it's the loss right and um i think for the women's soccer space um sort of kind of having a little bit no, I don't want to say different, but you know, it's it's it feels a little bit different when you have um, the most prolific uh, soccer journalists um, yeah. all of a sudden in the women's soccer coverage space, uh, ensuring that he's also like reaching out and making those connections in this mm-hmm. sphere. Um, I I remember. Um, covering NWSL and you know this was when NWSL games were floating around in terms of what it meant to, to have broadcasts uh, have games broadcasts on different different areas and platforms so you're talking about a league that went from YouTube to uh, semi uh, cable deal with, with lifetime sometimes having games on like a Fox Sports one every once in a while um, there was no you know consistent schedule of gaming on on CBS sports platforms or even twitch platforms um, and just to have somebody who was so prolific in that space just sort of reach out to someone who was just doing like freelance work at the time just doing local coverage of a team at the time it means so much and to sort of like see everybody within, this side of the space kind of have that similar story and that there's a lot of people now that you can find who are covering things like on independent levels or blogging levels. And they also have uh, a similar grant wall story. And um, to have some, somebody reach out to you, like I said, who is, has such a a prolific uh, space and role in, in the soccer world, sort of reach out and have them sort of recognize your potential. It means a whole lot. Um, and um, it's uh, it again. I can't I can't emphasize enough how um, how sad so many of us in in, in the space are, and uh, we just want to continue to do good work um, in his honor. And um, mm-hmm. if there are any updates, uh, you know, in terms of extended memorials and things like that, we'll obviously update folks. Um, but there's a lot of great work that's actually been. Um, put out uh, around this so a lot of a lot of other great uh reporters and journalism uh, journalists in the space who have sort of uh 
put pen to paper and have put out some things on their own grant wall stories. So I would encourage, encourage folks to go and um, read those if they are interested in hearing some more really great stories uh, about uh, grant wall as well. And um, so yeah. in, his, in his honor, we're going to keep talking about the news. Um, mm-hmm. We're going to pivot to NWSL and news and trades there. We've been talking a lot about uh, the free agency period and we're going to continue to do that. But uh, some other cool things that have been happening in, in this offseason are the fact that there are uh, some trades that are happening or just general player acquisitions that are happening, right. um, re-signings that are happening. Those are also big deals too for for clubs and, and NWSL as they're preparing uh, for the season ahead of them. But uh, we got to talk about uh, Washington Spirit and one of the moves that they just announced for their club. Finally, it's about time Washington Spirit makes a move because everything that uh, we've been talking about, we know Gotham's been in the headlines a lot. North Carolina has also made some acquisitions, most recently Kansas City, San Diego. And Washington is a team and a roster that has um, looked a little looked a little small, right? There's not been a lot of players on there. So it was just recently announced that Gabrielle Carl Canadian international who spent last year in Sweden has signed with the Washington spirit. It's a two-year contract um, with another option on the end of that. So she's a a new professional. She spent one season in Sweden last year, but she plays on the Canadian international side of things. So she has a lot of international experience. Um, She was at the world cup in 2019 with in France with Canada. Um, She's got 35 international appearances. She's won a couple of medals. So she has a lot of experience. Uh, She's a defender. She does play a little bit higher up in the midfield sometimes, but she's mostly a defender. So um, I imagine we'll see her slot into that back line. It's it's almost a a like-for-like swap out for Kelly O'Hara in that sense with the international experience, um, what she can bring to the table. I'm not entirely sure where we'll see her across that back line though um, with Washington and, and kind of how they roll out because it's still, there's still a lot of question marks on their roster, but this is a really big grab for them to get an international player. Um, but you also have to be aware that this is a world cup year. So what do you, how much you are we actually going to see this player play? Because I imagine that Carl will be with, Canada's national team heading uh, to the World Cup, but this is a huge grab, and and she's in Washington for a couple years to your contract with another option on the end of it. I I think when we're looking at some of the clubs that we've been kind of fixated on, I guess during this off season. Um, Washington Spirit maybe hasn't been in, involved in some of that chatter. We've been talking mm-hmm. a lot about some of the moves that Gotham FC has been making because they've been making, you know, uh, some pretty some pretty good signings in the free agency period. Um, we got to he- see, uh, you know, Abby Smith and and uh, Kelly O'Hara kind of like, you know, and uh Oh my gosh, I'm forgetting it's got Kristen Edmonds as well, who's showing up to, to Gotham <laughs> and make the option for, for free agency. Um, so we've been talking about them a lot, right? Uh, but we've also been talking recently about the current. We've also been talking about Chicago and what that's meant for them because they've had a number of players exercise their their free agency. Um, so it was cool to sort of see this this kind of drop in and just sort of see it as something like an acquisition, like a bit of acquisition for uh for the spirit, because there are there are clubs that we haven't been able to, to chat about a little bit during this off-season period and now we can um talk about a good move like yeah. this um you know and it's also we're look we were talking a lot about chicago red stars and um how this is a club that had a ton of players on the free agency list how it was going to be a very very tall order to try to um you know re-sign all seven of them um they've they've re-signed nagasato and aaron wright um have 
bid farewell to to Morgan Guitra, Vanessa DiBernardo, Danny Colaprico, Rachel Hill. Uh, but they also announced a re-signing of their own. They announced a re-signing for, for Tatum Malazzo. She uh, is going to be extended. She's going to be with the club through 2024. And I think in terms of uh, player news for uh, for the Red Stars, I think this is something else that they want to try to point to and say like, hey, here's, here's a player that we're going to retain, that we're going to have with us for the next couple uh, of seasons, you know, candidate uh, for defender of the year, uh, someone who made the, I believe it was the uh, best second 11 for Chicago Red Stars this year, someone who really didn't have a sophomore slump, right? Uh, we saw Tatum Malazzo really kind of slot in during her rookie year for the Red Stars in 2021 and kind of grow up very, very quickly out on the flank and then see, saw her go through her second year and really, really put up some really good uh, performances. So she's going to be, uh, you know, with, with the team for, for a couple of years. And I'm sure that that's something that the club's exciting, excited about that they were able to get done. Yeah, that's definitely a huge grab uh, for Chicago to keep a player like that. I mean, she's done tremendously, right? Like she grew so much last year and to have a little bit more stability across that back line is good. Yeah, so like these are the types of moves and trades that are um, really fun to key in on because a a player like Malazzo to be able to stay in Chicago and and grow on what she's done, um, fantastic. And I I love that for her. I love that for Chicago as well to have a little bit of stability. Um, One more thing about Gabby Clark that I think is a little bit interesting to just touch on at this point Mm -hmm. because um, uh, the soccer world is incredibly small, right? We we know that. We all know that. So Mark Kirkorian, who is the current general manager of the Washington Spirit, he's the former uh, Florida State head coach. And Gabby played at Florida State, won two national championships there, um, and now she's back at Washington. So I think that it's just kind of interesting to see how, like, full circle works and, and how incredibly small that uh, this sports world is of, of women's soccer. So Mark Kirkorian former head coach of FSU where Gabby played and now Gabby has signed with Washington spirit uh, where he is the GM. Yeah. I, uh, I think, look, it's a, uh, while we weren't speaking, had a whole lot to speak about in terms of player movement for the spirit as of right now in this, in this window of time, um, they've been doing some things in terms of their supporting staff, obviously their, their head coaching staff, right. In announcing, uh, you know, that Mark Parsons was going to lead the head coach, uh, the, the team as head coach. And those are also big, big moves as well. Maybe they're not like that big player signing acquisition that, um, you know, fans are, are looking for uh, right away. But those are like those steps that you make in order to continue uh, to have a good pitch, you know, for players and to be able to recruit and retain them. And having somebody like Kirkern involved as, as club president is is massive for them, right? Because yeah. of his connection to the sport and all of the players that have sort of come out of such a oh, huge absolutely. program in Florida State. So I, I would and anticipate that. successful program, right? Like that's how you get a player like that, right? You have some type of connection and you say, hey, th- we're going to make this worth your while to come um, to the United States, to the NWSL and play. Yeah, I would I would anticipate that there's, you know, players who already maybe even had that on their radar. Like, you know, hey, Kirkerins with the spirit, like uh, how could I get in with this? Like that's how that happens. You know, that's how that stuff kind of works, uh, you know, sometimes behind the scenes. That sometimes it's all it takes. Uh, 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 having someone in a position that has good relationships with with players, uh, you know, playing 
right now at the collegiate level, but also who have come out of that and are maybe finding themselves in pro in, in, in the phase of their pro career where they're perhaps in Europe and they want to find their themselves back playing stateside. So it's definitely something um, to keep an eye on uh, for the spirit. Uh, let's see if uh, those connections can continue to bloom and blossom yeah, <laughs> for, right. for, for the spirit uh, for sure. Uh, Look, lots of re-signings. Uh, I think Orlando Pride's another one of those clubs that we mm -hmm. were uh, looking at in terms of are they going to be able to to nab somebody off of that uh, free agency list? But we've we've seen and, and heard some re-signings for them. They've also re-signed uh, Carrie Lawrence, uh, Viviana Villacorta. They've extended uh, her as well. Uh, Erica Timrak has agreed to a two-year contract with the Pride as well. So uh, players that have found themselves already mm -hmm. with this franchise have kind of taken their some of their first steps as um as professional players and also a veteran like Tim Rack, you know, able to yeah, ensure that you have her coming back. I think that is really, really huge. Um you, you're gonna need that good mix. I think if you're finding yourself in the midst of a rebuild, you've got to have that combination of of young talent that you can sort of pitch yeah. on a rebuild and you've got to have a couple bit of uh veteran pieces who will also want to buy into that as well. So um, good, good on the pride uh, for that one. So, I mean, we're going to, we're going to continue to, to keep an eye on not just only like the big free agency moves, but um, any of the re-signings I think are really, really interesting yeah. for, for certain clubs as well. Because I know like for OL Reign, a sim similar to Chicago, we're like, Hey, like there's some pieces here that, you know, we would have thought that maybe we would have heard something about already, whether it's somebody like a, a Lauren Barnes or, you know, a, a Megan Rapino, but in, in this area of free agency, we've just uh, heard some re-signing. So we obviously Quinn was was the biggest of those in, in October, but throughout these last couple months, you know, somebody like Sam Hyatt, um, you know, Marley Carnelis is someone that they just recently um, inked as well. Uh, they said, hey. Let's get you in for another year as well. Only had a few uh, appearances for the rain in 2021. I think uh, just maybe like three or four appearances, but one start. Um, but there's enough there for Laura Harvey to say, let's ensure that we get another year with this player, uh, you know, to, to maybe ensure that they've got another body in the midfield <laughs> in light of a World Cup year coming up. Um, they're probably going to be missing some pieces. Right. So um, little little things like that, I think, are the are the things that I look forward to when it comes to yeah. an offseason. Like, I know we're all excited about free agency. It's the first time it's ever existed in an offseason. So that and it's and it's delivered, I think, to uh, up to this point. It's been very exciting. Um, but I think all those little, like those signings in between the big things like free agencies or, or, or big acquisitions, I think are also very, very important to pay yeah, attention to these. That's, sort that's of what rounds out a team, right? The players that are returning, yeah. whether they're spent their first year, their first rookie year with the club, and now they decide they want to come back and the club also wants them, or if it's a veteran, like that's what fills the holes of a team. And that's yeah. what allows you to get more players, right? If you can say, hey, we've re-signed. X number of players and these are the ones they're going to say. So you get an idea of what the team is, is likely to look like. You're more able to get young players out of the draft or different trades or other free agents and say, Hey, look what we're already building here. It's, it is incredibly crucial. 
Yeah. Pay attention to those those depth the depth signings. Yeah. That's what we'll refer to them as. Uh, take a look at that. Um, before we cut out for a break, we look, listen, we gotta celebrate some things <laughs> here as well. Okay, not keep it too summer. We also have to celebrate. Congratulations are in order to Mallory Pugh. Got married, saw some cool photos come out over oh, so over the last weekend. Um, something else that was really cool reporting out of people with all of the cool photos was the menu in this. It was a really good menu, yeah. I guess, for the wedding. Like that was a that was of like a, of a particular note, like that people were like quote tweeting. I saw it said, "Wow, look at all this cool food!" Yeah, at the Don't wedding. You, like love a people exclusive because we get to see all these incredible photos. Congrats to Mallory Pugh, Dansby Swanson, her now husband, um, uh, MLB player who's with the Atlanta Braves. I actually think he's a free agent right now, but I don't know about that for sure. Um, I know that Philadelphia Phillies were looking at him. They they passed on him. We're not getting him. Uh, but yeah, this is huge for Mallory. So exciting. We we knew they were engaged, and I just love off season wedding. Um, Sandra, when you and I have talked to so many players, whether it's at the end of the season or at the beginning of the preseason, we're always like, "Hey, how was your off season?" And so many of them are like, "It was filled with weddings because yeah. these athletes they can't get married in season. You can't." You don't have any time to do that, let alone plan a wedding. So uh, they do it in the off season. So this is just one of the big ones that have been happening. Yeah, she looks stunning. They look so happy. And yep, thank you, people, for the exclusive, for all the photos to look at it, some videos that we saw. I saw floating around on Instagram. Uh, it was stunning. Huge congrats to Mallory and Dansby. Absolutely. Listen, we've got some more things to chat about uh, with everybody on this episode, uh, but we're going to do that right after a quick break. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. So there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers. Whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, 
every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, let's hop into U.S. Women's National Team news. Let's chat a little bit about She Believes Cup. U.S. Soccer announcing the dates and the teams for the 2023 edition of She Believes Cup. It's going to be kicking off in February, running from the 16th through the 22nd, and it's official. Brazil, Japan, and Canada are the three teams participating in the tournament alongside the United States. Huge that we get this announcement. We get dates. Um, We had talked about it, that the U.S. was going to play a number of friendlies, a number of matches and opportunities, game matches to get competition against other top powerhouses in the world before the World Cup. And she believes was one of them. This was a tournament I know you and I had both circled. um, A lot of people had circled to kind of say, hey, who can the U.S. get to come to the U.S.? Because this this tournament is always played on U.S. soil. Um, that's fantastic, right? So it, it's a little bit of an advantage for the U.S. So they can do that. But to bring over teams like Canada, Brazil, Japan, these were teams that um, were excited to play against. And I think we picked them to play against them when we did like yeah. our, our top eight picks of who we want the U.S. to play against in 2023. Um, I know Japan was definitely on that list, and I know I had Canada definitely on that list, Brazil also on this. I mean, these four nations are ranked top 11 in the world right now. U.S. is, of course, number one. Canada jumped up to number six. Brazil is ranked ninth, and Japan is 11th. So it's incredible to see. It'll be the tournament for the seventh year, and we're now back to different locations, right? That happened um, a couple years ago before COVID. It was in three different locations with three different double headers. That's kind of how the tournament rounds out with three double headers. Uh, the winner is determined by total points, three points for a win, one point for a tie. And then, of course, it goes to all these different tiebreakers, goal differential, total goals, uh, head-to-head, all these different things. But um, uh, the competition is what is the most exciting to see because it, it kicks off February 16th, the U.S. against Canada. These are Olympic gold medalist winners. Um, It's a rematch of the CONCACAF championship. That's something that I'm also starring as well. This is two teams that I really want to see go against each other. And we get to see that February 16th to kick off the tournament. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Look, when the news dropped, I was like, this is, this is good. You know, we're, we've already gotten essentially the first set of matches for the United States women's national team to keep an eye on in 2023. So they made the announcement that their January camp is going to have a little bit of a different look to it. They're going to take mm-hmm. a, the group of players to New Zealand. They're going to have a six day training camp in New Zealand. That's where the entirety of their group stage is going to take place for the world cup. And then that six Uh, six-day training camp is going to conclude with a two-game series against New Zealand. So we already knew how they were really kicking off Mm -hmm. their 2023. And we usually uh, anticipate something like the She Believes Cup tournament to uh, take place in that next uh, FIFA window. And it's typically a February or March set of dates, depending on the year. So we were anticipating what that was going to look like. And to sort of get that before 2022 closes out, 
that was also exciting for me as well. I also love that once the teams were uh, announced or unveiled, that a couple of them were on our kind of wish list. Uh, we've been cranking out the content still here in in, in the off season, and, and one of the things that we did talk about was, uh, you know, within some of the windows that are going to exist in 2023, who are some teams that we would like the United States Women's National Team to to go up against and and sort of face off before they head off to to the World Cup? And I love that Canada is returning for yeah. for She Believes Cup. Love that it's Brazil. Love that it's Japan. I think there's when you're looking at these three nations, you're looking at three completely different styles of mm-hmm. play. And I think that that's uh, going to, uh, you know, present a pretty healthy uh, competition for this iteration of the She Believes Cup. Because uh, some of the things that have that they're returning to, like you mentioned, Lisa, the fact that it's going to be a multi-facility tournament. Again, they're going to play at three different areas. Uh, it's going to mirror that sort of quick, uh, competition, the quick fixtures in succession in terms of like here's one game. Now we got to travel to 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 play these other these this other match, and now we've got to travel again to close out mm-hmm. this round robin tournament. All these things that are kind of mirroring um, tournament esque type of events. You know, they're trying to get that feel and trying to yeah. get that type of stuff into into in, into focus for the players that you know might be going to uh, to the World Cup. So I, I'm curious if maybe. You know, come 2023, if we're going to get another update about an announcement, I know. you know, for, for another yeah. picture. Uh, honestly, uh, we might, but it, this it, it, time will tell, right? I'm hoping that we continue to get some crazy friendlies because that's the best thing that's going to prepare these players. And even the She Believes against Canada, Brazil, Japan, like this competition is is good. Yes, the United States and Canada have a history of, of playing against each other, especially most recently in the CONCACAF W Championship. But uh, Canada is a different team and they're also a team that is coming off of a gold medal and they're looking to go into the World Cup and dominate and win. Like people cannot sleep on Canada. You look at uh, what this Canada side has done most recently. Um, They played against Brazil and they split those results. It was 2-1. They won one. They lost one. Um, Canada has also played friendlies against Australia, Argentina, Morocco. Um, these are really top competitions and also a lot of different styles of competition. So Canada's bulking up their uh, schedule of, of who they've played and the experiences they, they've had. I mean, when you look at Brazil, South American powerhouse, um, they, they played against Canada, right? They split those results 2-1, as I just mentioned. Um, but before that, Brazil was on a 10-game winning streak before they lo- dropped one to Canada. Um, and, and now they're back on the winning side of things. So this Brazil side is going to pose a lot of questions uh, to the United States and, and what they can do. But also Japan. This is a, a perennial Asian power team that we put on our list that we wanted to see the United States play because the Japanese style of soccer is so intricate and it, it's a lot of tiki-taka and, and playing and, and that type of style that um, the United States can struggle against. We've seen that we saw them struggle uh, against teams that play like that. And, and how can the United States combat that type of style? Um, I mean, when you look at Japan and where the friendlies that they've most recently played in, they also played against England and they also played against Spain, two teams that United States um, just played against uh, in like two sessions ago, right? It was Germany and then it was England and Spain right before that. And Japan lost to England for nothing. And then Japan lost to Spain one, nothing. So, so I think the Japan USA match is one that I am 
so, so keyed in on February 19th. This is a match that I really want to see how the United States plays. I I'm, I mean, we're a bit away from this. We still have the January camp and what's going to happen in New Zealand and who's going to be on that roster, the, what we're going to see from Black Lewandowski. And I don't think it's going to be anything too crazy or too different, but I think we'll get a really good sense of the different styles of soccer that the United States can play and can also play against when we look at Canada, Brazil, and Japan. And that's frankly what I want as a team that's leading into a World Cup. No, I'm, I'm with you 100%. I think I think you hit it spot on with, with Japan. I think it'll be interesting to see how how the how the U.S. go up against a team that also want to, to spend a little bit of time on the ball um, yeah. and kind of keep it on the ground at moments. It'll be interesting to see if, if they get you know, frustrated by that or how they can maybe break that down a bit. It's a little bit different, you know, going up against a challenge of a team where you're saying our challenge is going to be whether or not we could sort of break down, um, you know, a mid or low block from a team that mm-hmm. might be looking to just sort of hit on the counter. Uh, and then when you go and, and look at Japan, they, they want the ball, you know, they're, they're saying like, Hey, we want to get in there with, with your middle third and, and, and win the ball and wrestle that away from them as well. And sort of, you know, take it to you the, the other way. So I'm, I'm eager, I'm eager to see that, that matchup um, more than I think maybe some of the others, although I listen, I think Brazil and the United States always produces some really, really good stuff. Um, I think this is going to be a point in time in the year that we have to make sure that we, pay attention to because we could see the return of some players from injury perhaps as well. Certain players are in certain timelines. And I mean, listen, if this is a game that, that we see um, somebody like Katarina Macario get minutes or somebody yeah. like uh, Marta get, get minutes for Brazil, I'm, I'm tuning in. That you know, makes like, me so happy that these players that have been injured and suffering and we haven't seen them for so long, they're probably going to be back. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So I think, I think people need to like, I don't, I'm like, I think folks need to like pay attention to, to that as well. It's like, yes, he's like, we're excited about these, these teams, um, these four nations getting together and, and, and going head to head, but there's also the possibility that maybe we might, you know, uh, see some things. I don't want to get everybody's hopes to up to too high. Cause it all depends <laughs> on, on the person and the player. Right. And, and right. where they are and, and their fitness and how, um, how, how comfortable they're they're able to to go but um uh, we'll see and and before that is going to be the, the january camp and, and so um we're going to get a real early look at probably the the group of players that the coaching staff is going to continue to to keep an eye on moving forward uh to the march to the world cup but uh, in the meantime that's all we've got for you this morning thank you everybody for joining us live as always and listening to attacking third please download follow listen to us anywhere you get your podcast you can watch us too subscribe youtube.com slash attacking third and a reminder before you leave us please vote for attacking third for the best episode in the signal awards it really means so much to us the link is in the episode description if you're watching hit that qr code and we'll be back For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending $12,000 and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? 
you can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control-Alt-Desire, now streaming on Paramount+.